0: Welcome back to the Zero Weakness Podcast, where we talk about how to be a better lifter, how to be a better coach, and everything in between. Make sure you subscribe and enjoy.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Zero Weakness Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Establishment Coffee. Go to establishmentcoffee.com.au, use the code 025 and get 25% off your order and free shipping. All right, Henny, what are we on
0: what are we talking about today? What are we grateful for today? Well, look, Ooh.
2: I'm grateful for another episode with uh just the boys. Bridget's busy, so she can't be on this one. So I'm grateful for Brandon Kempter standing us up today. <laughs> oh, the call out. <laughs> BK. We're talking to you, BK. Where are you, brother? You're meant to be in the seat right next to me. He's forgotten. Oh, no. Nah, it's all good. He's had a big weekend with all his athletes competing in uh, the INBA. I
0: probably got that wrong. ICN. ICN. Yeah, yep. yeah. ICN. Busy man, lots of clients, got a new staff member on the books, and he's uh, studying. We'll, we'll just do the podcast with that, and we'll do his intro, we'll, do, <laughs> we'll field the questions for him, why not? Why not? Uh, nah, just just the boys today, uh, which is nice. Yeah. Is that, is that your actual gratitude Nah, nah, I just
2: wanted to call out uh, Brandon <laughs> in a graceful kind of way. <laughs> nah, what I am grateful for is a, <clears throat> I'm grateful for a nice, relaxing weekend. Hmm. Mm. Good time to recuperate, you know. Relax, rest the body, rest the mind. It's good.
0: Nice, mm. CJ.
2: I kind of didn't want to do this without Bridget, but I'm
1: thankful for you guys, including nice. including Bridget. Probably tell her. I I think about um, you know how much lifting I do now. Before I found powerlifting, I had never lifted at all. Never lifted a weight, anything like that. I played sports as a kid, but I never enjoyed going to the gym and just lifting weights or doing machines. And now I absolutely love it. And where I'm at now where I'm not playing any sports, had I not been lifting, I'd probably be a lot more unhealthy than I am now. So I'm very grateful for um, you guys and introducing powerlifting to me.
0: Nice, man. You've been a lot more consistent with your training in the last like six months than ever since I've known you. and mm. Mm. That's probably ever in my life. So, yeah.
2: How good is it like when you love training? When when the ball, when everything's firing on all cylinders and uh, everything's – when you love training, everything's good. Your life's just better. Mm, That's what is. I reckon.
0: Nice. Uh, I'm grateful for my mum. Uh, my mum gets me out of a jam with travel stuff quite a lot and uh, I get to go hang out with her in the States and my brother um, from Wednesday this week. And I don't know, it's, it's easy to forget how much uh, – she gives without question with me, uh, even though we butt heads sometimes. Um, but I also feel like a lot of my uh, positive traits have have come from her as well. So I'm grateful for mum. Happy Mother's Day! It was her birthday last week. Nice. What'd you get her? I'm. Get, I paid for a accommodation in in the states. Solid. And uh, we'll take her on a bit of a shopping spree or something. She nice. she Ooh. she likes her stuff. She, she likes hey. nice things. Eh? She likes nice things. So we'll take her shopping. Let's go.
2: All right. Um <clears throat> all right. I said you guys have to come prepared every week with a quote. Mm. I saw you guys oh. on your phones just then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hit me with hit me with a curveball this week. <laughs> now my, my quote is as follows. Uh it is we question all of our beliefs except for the ones we truly believe. Ooh.
2: Okay. I like that one. CJ, what do you got? Um, man, (laughs) um,
1: (laughs) Uh, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for everything.
2: Nice, that's good. That's good. Uh, (laughs) quickly find it. Dedication makes dreams come true. Did you just Google a Nike ad? <laughs> Nike that's guy. actually that's actually a Kobe Bryant quote. So yeah, <laughs> pretty much. All right, I found, I'll come. I'll come back next week with a better one. That one sucked. What does the word dedication mean to you? Ooh, yeah, I don't know. Like, depends what kind of context. You, uh, l- depends what kind of lens you look at it through. Like, are we dedicated to our jobs? We're here every week. Uh, You'd hope so. Yeah, better (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm dedicated. For me, dedication is doing something that you love. Over and over again, to an extent.
0: But do you think something that you love requires dedication? Because you do it out of love. That's true. What what about you, CJ? If I asked you, what does dedication mean?
1: I'd say dedication is... Well... When you say, hey, could you dedicate some time aside? That's how I see it is you're, you're intentionally putting, you're setting aside time for something. So like I would say even if you love something, well, you are dedicating time to it. You are dedicated to it because you love it. So yeah, dedication for me is just anything that you're um, prioritizing in any form. If it's something you're not that dedicated to, then I guess you're not really putting much time
0: into it. Mm. Yeah, no, I I think about this a lot, but I don't voice it very often. Like these words, dedication, discipline, because people look at what we do with training and they're like, "Oh, you're so dedicated, or you're so disciplined." How you prep your meals or whatever. And when I think of people that say stuff to to me about things they see, see in me and and use those words, I'm like, "Am I really though?" Like, I would I, I do this as a as an active choice, and I could choose not to. And so I think dedication reigns truer uh, if you look at it as, like you said, CJ, you know, gifting your time um, or de- de- dedicating time to something. Uh, but if you remove the love aspect, it's dedicating um, dedicating time, energy, effort uh, to doing tasks that you don't want to do because you are more committed to the greater greater result. Like being able to foresee the work you have to do to achieve the result that you want. I think that's dedication because think of anything. Think of training. Like uh, I'm sure there's times, James, where you don't want to go and run. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's times where you don't want to do eight sets of safety bar squats. Yes. You know, that's, 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 when, right. that's when it becomes dedication when you're willing to still do what you have to do to achieve the goal that you really want. That means you're dedicated to that goal. If you flake out and you give up on that stuff that's going to drive you forward, then you are not dedicated, right? 100%. So yeah, I I don't think it's enough to say we love something and therefore we're dedicated to it. I think love provides the initial dedication, but dedication reigns true when the love isn't strong enough to keep us going. Because I don't love certain sessions that I do. I don't love staying up later sometimes because I've had a comp on all day and now I have to meal prep for the, to to make sure I eat. I don't love that stuff. Uh, there are easier options, so I think that's what dedication is.
2: That's it. Well, it's also an act of service to yourself, mm. uh, like you said. So you can see you you're looking at you're looking at the bigger picture. Um, like you never get the results that you didn't work for. Uh, so I keep trying to tell myself that with running because there's lots of r- running. Running's pretty fucking boring. Mm. Um, you got to enjoy monotony. You know, it's one foot in front. There's nothing really different about each session, other than times, intervals, mm. tempos, like yeah. distances. Um, so you've got to find enjoyment in the monotony and you've got to look at the bigger picture. I want to run fast on this date. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to run fast if I didn't do the work. So yeah, I, I, that's how I look at it with things like that. You know, it's an act of service to yourself. You owe it to yourself. If you want those results, you got to go after and get it. So yeah, that is dedication. Mm. Wouldn't you say that is the love though? Like you doing it when you don't want to? Um, <clears throat> I should have used this, but like there's this, I follow these uh, guys on Instagram they're just dudes that get after it. They run, lift, swim, bike, and um, they they say it's the graceful pursuit of superior self. I'm like, that's fucking cool because that's what it is, mm. in my eyes, anyway.
0: Yeah, what does superior self mean?
2: Like to me, it's just the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's what I reckon. What do you reckon?
0: No, no, I, I would have said something along the same lines. I think it's interesting when you look at it like that because some people see being better or use the term being better and it reeks of arrogance Mm -hmm. because like being a better version of yourself is comparative only to yourself and no one else. Yeah. So if you think you're a better version of yourself, that doesn't automatically make you better than anyone else. And so you see a lot of, a lot of high achievers get this arrogance because they've put a lot of work into themselves and they're like, I've become by my own standards, a better version of, of myself Maybe some people, there's, they're the best version of themselves that they want to be. Mm. They don't have any intrinsic desire to be anything other than what they are at that moment. And there's nothing wrong with that. Anyway, this is getting very like philosophical. No, I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
2: good. That's what I, because um, at the moment <clears throat> with my training, it's very, I do a lot of sessions uh, between running, lifting, whatever, running, lifting, swimming, a few bike sessions here and there now. Um, just to stay off my legs a little bit more recovery. But, um, you know, there's t- days where I do two things mm-hmm. and I don't do the second session so I can, you know, wank on about it and put it on the internet and be Like fuck yeah, two a days. I trained twice today. It's like, nah, I'll be better for this. You know, I'll be a better version of myself for fucking, I didn't want to do that session. I just did it. And after it, you always feel better. Mm. You never feel worse after, a, after a training session, no matter how shit the session was, it would have been, you would have felt way shitter if you didn't have the session.
0: Mm. True spoken of someone who hasn't torn their labrum. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just about to say, <laughs> unless in that session you had a serious injury. <laughs> <laughs> serious no, injury. But even then, there's an opportunity to learn and grow and
2: to get better. Mm-hmm. Mm. I wouldn't have found powerlifting if I didn't snap my Achilles. Mm. And look at me now, I'd do it for a job.
0: Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. No, I like it. I like uh, I like all of these conversations. Uh, uh, well, it's actually, while we're on that, it's, this idea of a continuum, a continuum of self, like there's this version of me that I am right now, and there's a better version of me that I could be. Mm-hmm. Like I can be better. When we create a continuum, there has to be a start and the end. If it's an open-ended continuum, there's no, there's no uh, you'll lose driving force because there's no ultimatum or there's no ultimate point to get to, right? And I find it interesting if we like segue this into talking about lifting. I find it interesting when people have comments on technique, but don't believe there's such thing as perfect technique. Because if I'm watching CJ squat and I'm thinking to myself as a coach, I think I could make that a better squat. There has to be a best squat. Like there has to be a gold standard for me to move that on the continuum. So if I say, well, there's no such thing as a perfect squat, but I'm gonna make your squat better. What am I actually working towards? I'm just working towards my own made up ideal of what's right or wrong. And that in itself is a gold standard. Mm. And I think it's really important. You guys have heard me say this a thousand times and I've said it on the podcast a bunch of times. But I think it's really important that every coach check themselves to be like, if I look at a squat of my client or a bench, or whatever it is, and I say, we can make this better or I think you should do this with technique because I think that will be better. That means you have a gold standard. And the sooner that you can identify what that gold standard is, the better your coaching will become because it'll make you put all the pieces together to make sure everything you do in the coaching and training process is congruent with each other, is working together to produce the ultimate result. Um, I think, you know, just to sort of harp on about zero, I think that's what we've done beautifully. And that's what I try to give people with the coach development system. It's like, this is exactly what we do, what we have done. This is how we've produced our results. We understand the principles We've created a gold standard. We join the dots between the two, and we continue to work towards getting better and providing results.
2: Just um, now that you open that dialogue on, uh, you know, people that believe there isn't perfect technique, but have opinions on perfect technique, you just reminded me about. So, you know, the RPE zealots that, like, if you do RPE style training versus uh, percentages, that I don't really care. They they all work. They're all really good methods. But I find it really funny, the people that, you know, bag on periodization, you know, they say, they always have the same thing, but what if you had a really shit day at work and then you, you know, you're programmed to lift this number. And so that's where RPE comes into play. I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever. But those same guys that really love RPE for, that's always for their top lifts. And then I don't know if they realize this, but they periodize everything else. They'll be like, I hit the 30 kilo dumbbells this week for a set of 10. Next week, I'm going to hit the 32.5s for a set of eight. I'm like, hmm, uh, you know, there's a. I don't think they realize that that's periodization in itself. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think with any any programming methodology, you have to be willing to to step back and be like, what what's actually driving the success of this program? What, what am I actually working with here? Um, and as soon as you realize how to do that, you realize that nothing else really matters that much in terms of. Very specific uses. Like it doesn't matter if you use percentages or RPS or fixed numbers or RPS. Doesn't matter if you use linear progression, daily undulating periodization, whatever. As long as you're satisfying certain principles, you'll get better. And ultimately, it, it doesn't matter what method you choose to use, as long as you know how to drive and understand your method. Because as soon as you do that, you'll start getting results. Because there's a, a whole bunch of different ways to achieve the same underlying uh, underlying principle. And so, like, we we have to be careful with how strongly we put opinions on certain methodologies because they are literally just methodologies to achieve the same task. It it would be like you harping on about the fact that um, you split your running up into, you know, double sessions in the day instead of doing single sessions to rack up more kilometers across the week. It's like, yeah, but if you just run more in general over time, you'll get better at running. It's the same with lifting. It's like, okay, well, I've done more frequency this, this week. I've added an extra squat session, and therefore uh, I'm better than your program, or I'm using RPE, e and therefore that's better because there's, there's a counter argument to everything that comes back to, well, I can achieve the same principles using this method or that method or the other method. And so I guess this is more a message to newer coaches. If someone's saying this is the way, like this is dumb, this is better, probably don't listen to them as, as deeply, you know, take account of what they're saying and try and try and peel it back to what's, uh, what, what the underlying principle actually is. And if you don't understand what that is, it's just a bit more time and research. Like understand what actually drives programming success, what actually drives technical concert, success. Um, and then you can make better assessments when you read all that information.
2: You just um, you just kind of jogged my memory about something I was thinking about in the weekend. I always have this little uh, internal battle with myself about um, putting out more content on the internet about coaching, putting out more uh, information about technique and programming and things like that. Because I want to talk about that stuff, mm. but at the same time, I don't really care either. Mm-hmm. Like when people come to zero, like we've said before, um, they're paying for a service, but ultimately they're paying for results. Mm-hmm. Um, Zero is a brand. We're known to get results now. And I always think this. I was thinking about it in the weekend. Um, How do we know Wayne Bennett's a good rugby league coach? He gets results. You don't see fucking Wayne Bennett on the internet going, all right, you know, posting content about coaching and his methods he uses and things like that. The only reason we know he's a good coach is because he gets results. So this is something that I've been thinking of lately. I've just been thinking, no, you know what? I don't need a fucking – post an instagram post about uh doing this this or that or uh yeah i don't know really where i'm going with this no 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 you're
0: you're on the money like what we are selling is results and um i mean maybe the wayne bennett thing is uh, it's interesting to look at that as an example because that world is very different yeah you know um but uh, there's, there's so much to be said for that. It's, it is ultimately what they are selling. It's, it's like, if you want to be a coach of this team, you need to be able to produce results. Show us what your results are. And it's exactly the same as a coach. And what James just said is like the biggest ticket to getting better at marketing yourself as a coach on the internet is people appreciate information. But information flows through you like a sieve. Um, And so, like, CJ's, you you know, you're probably exposed to a lot of information on camera stuff or barber stuff. And you'll read a post and you'll be like, hey, actually, that's really insightful. And three days later, you'll completely forgot you read Mm. that post. Maybe two months down the track, you're like, what was that post again? Maybe I'll go back to that page and check it out. But most of the information, even the stuff that really sticks in your mind when you read it, like, I need to remember this you probably forget or discard or just don't care about like two days later. And so like if you are spending all of your time trying to put information out there and not showing what you actually do, which is produce results, you might be doing yourself a disservice. Because as a consumer, like when I walk into KFC, I don't want to know how they breaded the chicken, how they fried it for 13 minutes in an open fryer. If you're using hot and spicy, if you're in the um, original, it's 16 minutes with a closed lid fryer and a pressure cooker. Sorry, (laughs) just nerding out on my KFC knowledge. Um, No, but seriously, I don't, I don't care about how they put it together. I'm going there to achieve result. I want the result of having the food in my mouth. I don't care how they built the burger. I don't care what systems they use to train their stuff. So why are we sitting around talking about like, this is the best method. This is the best thing for that. It's the wrong message for the for the market that you're talking to if you're a coach. The lifter doesn't care about how to do it. They just want the result. Your job is to show them how to do it once you've got them in your hands. If you want to get them in your hands, show them what they are buying. Then it's like, oh, I really want that. And if they become more interested, you can talk about the methodology, but generally they just want the result. So just show the result. So people who sit there and like deliberate, what should I post? I need to come up with more content. Take a video of your client doing a squat, Two months later, take another video, put them side by side. That is the literal best marketing you can do for yourself as a coach on Instagram or Facebook using those mediums as like free organic marketing. Just show what you do.
2: Because when you when you take when you strip it back a little bit, you know powerlifting strength coaches, um, you know you want to try put out lots of coaches try to put out something to sound really smart and things like that. Mm-hmm. When you when you dive deeper on Instagram and you look at all these are. Uh, transformation specialists, these bodybuilding coaches that, you know, these Palafin coaches are probably a lot more smarter than them, but these bodybuilding coaches are all killing it. Mm -hmm. All these commercial, uh, all these trainers at commercial gyms that are killing it. And if you look through their page, all they're posting is a before and after shot. Side by sides. And that's it. The
0: whole way down their page. Mm. That's what they're selling. That's what you look at. That's what pulls you in. Then you can get the methods. Now that's not to say the informational stuff's not bad. Because that example I just used before with CJ, you know, two months later, he's like, oh, I better go back to that page. Mm. That might lead to a sale. But if all your content is informational, none of it is showing what you sell, people are going to use you for free information. That's it. They're not going to buy anything from you. If you are selling something, so if you're a coach and you're selling a coaching service, show them the product. You can talk about the informational stuff because it does add some validity to what you're producing. It does show that you know what you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's not going to be the the thing ultimately uh, that people are coming to you for. And if that's all that you put out, free information, that's all people will come to you for.
2: I often always think about what am I actually going to put out that's not already on the internet? Mm-hmm. Like there are some movers and shakers in an industry like, you know, yourself or Crozier, people like Angus Bradley that do put out information that I've never heard that are, you know, that... I'm like, oh, this is inter- interesting. I've never looked at it through this type of lens. Mm-hmm. Um, but more often than not, it's just something being regurgitated with fancy edits or, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, the vic- vocabulary and the, the way they talk about things is a little bit different.
0: And not even that, just like the stuff that gets the most attention when we post informational stuff, either th- myself in the past or, or on Zero, is just like, here's how we teach a row mm-hmm. take shoulders through full range, because that's what we do when we squat and bench press. That stuff goes off. People love that stuff. And so if you are a coach listening to this and you're trying to put out information, just keep it simple. You don't have to go into the weeds. I don't know where the Supraspinatus starts and finishes. I don't care where the Supraspinatus starts and finishes. So I'm not going to make a fucking post about it. Mm. I know how to do a row. I know how to make someone strong as hell. I can talk about that. Like, that's all you need. I I actually saw a post
2: by uh, Dr. Joel Seedman the other day nice. who gets a lot of flack in the industry, but it was five tips to deadlift. Mm-hmm. And it was so fucking basic, but I was just like, this is what people need to hear. They don't care about where your lat inserts into your, how it plays a role in this, where the force comes from the floor through your ankle, uh, all that kind of jazz. I'm like, man, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. He just said five basic steps in about 20 seconds. Yeah.
0: Uh, I, mean, I mean, who's, who's the biggest name on social media and powerlifting in Australia as a coach? all strength coach. Yeah, Sebastian, right? Look at his content. It is extremely simple. And like not a, not a, as, a, as a dig to to Seb. He's putting out information that's really easy to understand and apply straight away. That's why if you look at one of his like how to deadlift posts and there's cues on it, like he does it frequently where all similar to what you're talking about, you know, list out the cues that he uses. Look at the comments on it. Oh, I did this and my deadlift feels amazing. That means someone's read it being able to understand it, go to the gym and apply it and get something out of it. That's the stuff that makes people go ham. 100%. Is it? Do you feel the same way when you look at anything on like barbering or camera stuff, the stuff that's really easy to just read and go, okay, I can do it. Or think about like, um, I'm sure you use YouTube a lot to mm. to yeah. you know go through a tutorial. Yeah, would you rather watch a 12 minute video that goes through all the specifics, or like a two minute video that's just like go into settings, do this, point it here, do that?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah, short shorter for sure. Um, yeah, I'll find myself like on YouTube. You can now on your videos mark out what segments you are in the tutorial. Yeah, and I just go to straight to the one that I need to know to fix what I need for what I'm shooting. yeah Yeah, absolutely
0: and if it's simple and broken up like that it means that you can find what you're looking for straight away you get a lot of value out of that person and then you're like where did i get that video from or maybe i'll subscribe to this person because they're putting out good stuff absolutely yeah it's how you grow an audience and a following and and then you can monetize and sell that stuff
2: Mm. warm-ups are they a waste of time (laughs) i wanted to talk about this (laughs) Do you know what sparked my mind about this? Yeah, go. Uh, Didier Vasu. Hopefully I said his last name right. Um, I've actually never said his last name. Dids. Yeah, Dids from Melbourne Strength Culture, who's an absolute legend. I saw him put a a video out on Instagram a while ago, and he said, your warm-ups are dumb. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) To you? No, 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 no. It was just like a a video on Instagram saying, your warm-ups are dumb. Oh. And it was very controversial. The comments on it were pretty hectic, but he was- (laughs) Uh, he was partly right
0: <laughs> well, so what was the gist I haven't seen that one so
2: he said uh, you know jump on an air bike or jump on do some form of cardio get your heart rate up a little bit your overall uh, body temperature up a little bit and then start getting warmed up on the exercise you're doing uh-huh. and I'm like yeah a lot of people can do this information because yeah. how many people do you see in here do like an hour-long warm-up before they even get to the bar. And I'm like, what are you doing? You just wasted – there's only one person here that does that. but (laughs) (laughs) but You didn't have to
0: attack him while he's sitting right next to you. (laughs)
2: Uh, (laughs) No, but it's it's not CJ. But I was like, yeah, he's right to an extent. So our warm-up's dumb.
0: What do you think, CJ? Uh,
1: That's a very broad question. Like I'd say – no, in a sense that I'm not just gonna load the bar with 170 and straight up start repping it cold mm. um I would warm up to that weight
0: <laughs> after he picked up one Marty cold the other day yeah <laughs> uh, yeah I know I've done <laughs> I've done cold PVs too,
1: and so yeah, I've bit hypocritical but yeah I I think yeah, I'd have to warm up too, especially with squats. Well,
0: that, that's, a wa- that's a warm. That's a warm up. None, uh, so yeah, I think that's that's the big thing is like what is a warm up? Yeah, yeah. getting the definition right is, a, and this is the case with everything. And warm ups is a good topic to talk about then because like a lot of people convince themselves that they're doing quote unquote stability work before before they warm up, and then the question has to be what is stability? And so what what is this exercise that you're doing as part of your warm up slash stability? actually contributing to the system and can it be either removed or replaced with something else and so for for, to to begin the conversation we have to say like if you find that the stuff that you do pre-training rolling stretching theragun uh stability exercises warm-up exercises drills whatever cardio if you find that that mentally makes you perform better do it because none of it's harmful and so if none none of it's harmful do whatever you want if it's harmful in the sense that it's making your session go for two hours longer than it needs to go for, and then you're getting in trouble with your family, or you're spending so much time doing this stuff that may not be benefiting so much that you're cutting out important accessory work or something like that. That's when you really need to to revisit and rethink here. But warming up is literally exactly what it sounds like. It's just getting ready. And so the best warm up is the exercise done well. Um, and so where, where we go wrong, cause it, um, I provide, I well, we at zero prescribe or provide a bit of a pre-training routine to go through, and the pre-training year, routine years ago in my head was stability stuff that we all have to do. Um, then I learned that stability is not actually a thing, um, and that stability needs to be redefined. And then I saw it as like, okay, well, these actually these exercises actually make a lot of people feel pretty good. Um, so reframe it a little bit, juggle around the exercises a little bit, make it a bit smaller, quicker, superset everything. Um, it's just a, a, an, a routine to warm you up, to prime positions, to prime the muscles that are acting on joints while you're doing certain exercises. And it feels good then when you get under a bar. I would argue that the exactly the same feeling of being uh, feeling warm, ready, uh, able to perform can be achieved by just doing the bar for a few more sets. Because people ask me this at at um, when it comes to comps, oh, I always warm up with your single leg leg press. They're not going to have a leg press at the comp. What do I do? just squat the bar more, more sets, do four sets of it. Cause that's all that stuff is providing is just like loosening you up. It's just when you're used to getting under the bar and it feels good when you get under the bar and it feels shit, you're like, I'm not warmed up. It's like, well, of course you are not not warmed up cause you haven't done anything yet. So just do the bar more. You'll feel good. And then all of a sudden everything feels great. So warming up is just getting ready. Just like, what do you do to warm up for running? Run slower. Exactly. <laughs> you just do the thing. Um, One thing that I actually think about a lot and was thinking about talking about this on a podcast eventually, so this is good timing, is um, warm-ups as in like the lead up to your working sets are probably the most foundational, fundamental, integral uh, parts of your training in terms of making positive change for the future. Like the way we sort of talk about things at zero is like, if I want to fix... Joe Whitaker's 450-kilo squat, I can only fix it with his 440. And I can only fix that with his 430, with his 420. Like, I can only fix a squat with a squat. No amount of perfect leg pressing, no amount of perfect this, that, RDLs, whatever, will make his squat better unless he's thinking about making his squat better. And you can only think your way into or out of positions in the lift itself when it's lighter than what you can... uh, When it's lighter than the threshold at which you lose control of those positions. So if your squat breaks down at 150 and your max is 200, you're not going to fix 200 with 180. You're going to fix it with 140 because that'll fix 150 because that'll fix 160. So when you're warming up, don't just do the bar 70, 120, 170. Don't just go through the motions. Think about the positions you're getting in. Think about what you're trying to fix and actively try to fix those things with the lighter weights because the more you do that, the better you'll get at the top end.
2: Every rep is an opportunity to get better. That's it, baby. But we always say that even with um, what I've been doing with my clients at the moment is um, I've been pre- prescribing a lot of tempo work. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, it's just all about fixing positions, uh, getting there. One of my clients, Nikki, she's been having trouble hitting depth on her top sets. Mm-hmm. Um, all it is, it's just a little bit of a spatial awareness thing. Uh, prescribe her tempo work. She's real diligent with her tempos. You know, so sort of two zero two or like three two one kind of tempo work. Three seconds down, maybe a pause in the bottom, and two seconds up. And just from doing that, slowing down the movement, like you said, um, or just you know, it gives her more time to think about those positions, especially with the tempo work. It's exactly what it is. And um, yeah, so she's done such a great job of that, and her depth is getting better every single week. And she's not even having to think about it. She's just putting more time and effort into this tempo work, uh, executing correctly, doing those reps with intent. Because, you know, with 450 kilos on your back, not much, that's fucking adrenaline at that stage. You're not thinking. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not doing that rip with an intent. You're trying no. to stand up with it. Yeah, so I, I Better
0: better twist my quads away from <laughs> each other.
2: No, it's yeah.
0: don't die, don't die, don't die, please don't
2: die. 100%. So yeah. Nikki's top sets. Yeah, that's where we're, you know, expressing the strength that she's uh, built in previous blocks. And um, on a tempo back down work, that's where we're really trying to dial
0: it in. Mm. So, Yeah it's it's something so back in the day like when i started coaching people 10 years ago i would always say um back then there was a lot of talk about like west side conjugate method um, and we were slowly getting away from it but there was still a lot so there was a lot of questions that i would have to field in the gym like should i do speed work or can we do speed work and i'd be like what do you mean every rep is speed work You should be squatting as fast as you can. Empty bar, 60 kilos, 100 kilos, 140, as fast as you can. That's what we used to do. I'll show you videos of, like I was going through old videos of my lifting from 10, 15 years ago yesterday. And I'll show you a video I saved of a deadlift. It's disgusting. But I was so invested in moving fast. And along the way, I I thought about this concept. This is maybe like eight, seven or eight years ago. And I'm like, well, actually, when we move fast... When I watch, when I tell people to squat faster, deadlift faster, whatever, while they're warming up, I notice all their breakdowns show up straight away. Because when you move fast, you resort to your strongest movement pattern. You're telling yourself to move strong. Uh, So when you move fast, you resort to your strongest movement pattern. If there's issues with that movement pattern, all you do by doing speed stuff is reinforce those issues because you do more time or spend more time in those positions. So I teach everyone, move slow when you're warming up. If you watch a lot of people that I coach directly or you watch me warming up or you watch a lot of zero people that have been uh, you know, influenced by me, they'll warm up slow. They'll do their reps slowly. They'll treat them almost as tempo work because it's like, I don't have to move 40% of my max fast. I can move it slow and focus on feeling all the positions ingraining those movement patterns in my head, laying down that neural foundation. So when I am under not 450, but something heavy, It happens by itself. That's what I want to happen. I don't want to think about it. I want my body to be so good at doing it because it always does it. So yes, Mm. warm-ups are important in so many ways. Yeah. Grip strength. How to get better at grip strength. Hold
2: on to stuff. (laughs) Do you ever prescribe grip, uh, grip strength training in particular for anyone? Never.
0: Never. Well, no, I take it back. Yes but not the conventional grip strength training. So we don't do anything like double overhand work, fat grip work. Grip, what we have to understand about grip, if we're talking about powerlifting, a little bit of a different story with strongmen, but if we're talking about powerlifting, um, grip is hyper-specific, like hyper, hyper hyper-specific. Grip training only works with the position that you're in. So holding the bar in either hook grip or mix grip with the kind of loads that you're working with. And you can periodize that. You can scale it through the movement. As in like, um, think of if we do a set of 80% for five reps, the fifth rep is no longer 80%. It's relatively heavier because we're fatigued by that stage. So the same effect happens on our grip. By the time we get to the fifth rep, we'll, we'll start to show signs of our grip failing if that's the failing point for grip. Um, we can train through that so we can um, hold on to it and that's, we can break that threshold by using that. That's all we do our grip strength training is heavy holds. So um, while people are doing their rep work in the off season on the the building season, development season, whatever you want to call it, long, long holds of the of the bar at the end of uh, each, each deadlift set or each deadlift session with the relative weight and then building that up over. And if the person is starting to then fail at a particular weight and that grip training hasn't... Uh, been enough then it's heavy holds in like a off blocks or in a power rack or something like that i think it's important to note here as well that um there are several factors external to just grip strength that affects grip so if we're talking about uh big people with mung shoulders bung shoulders um that neural sort of impingement that people get the neural arm pain when they're benching my belief is that that affects grip like that, that neural interference that people get. Even if they don't feel it as much on bench press, my belief is that it, that it affects grip. Um, and then you've got all the, the, there's people who use performance enhancing drugs, their shoulders fill up, uh, so they get the neural stuff more. And uh, again, that, that influences grip. They tend to hold water or get bigger, so that if you get bigger and you maintain the same grip position, so your grip's too narrow now relative, it's really hard to hang on to grip. The more your shoulders have to move while you're deadlifting, the more likely you are to drop the bar. Um, and then you were talking about this the other day, James. People with grip problems tend to then grip the bar really bad. They set the bar super low in their hand. They cock their wrists so they make the range of motion longer. They give their body every opportunity to make the bar roll and drop out of their hands. And that's when you drop a bar. Like you're, you're, the bar starts to roll as soon as it gets that momentum, it's game over. Mm. Um, so grip strength training is very simple. Like if you want to, sorry to cut you off with what you were about to say, but the double overhand thing is one of the most common, oh, I need to get double overhand strength. It's like, well, you fail grip with a 350 kilo deadlift, you take your double overhand strength from 170 to 200. That load is 200. That load is 350. The math doesn't add up. Like you have to be hanging on to very heavy loads if you want that training to count for anything.
2: It's uh, similar with the people that uh are, like you mentioned, when people are, you know, they kind of wedge themselves and they cock their wrists and they have it really deep. And as soon as they initiate the pull, they're back okay. to that position there. It's the same with people that pull hook grip that are failing with their hook grip. They're, mm-hmm. lock, they're getting it really deep into the hand. As soon as they initiate the pull, the bar's rolled down there already.
0: Yeah, watch a lot of big hook grip pullers, You know, Danny Griggs, Wright Segura over in uh, WA. Uh, lots of, most of the heavy hook grip pullers, before they pull... From the floor, they'll shake shake their hands on the bar. It's basically setting the bar into that point that it's going to roll to, uh, and lengthening effectively their arms. They're decreasing their range of motion by doing that, but it's it's a big preventative measure in terms of dropping the bar, stopping it from rolling like that. Um, I had something else to say, but I completely forgot. Um,
2: here's one: how to get better at pull-ups,
0: TJ. I can't even do one. But how would you get better at pull-ups? This is a good question for you because mm. like, I like, I like firing coaching questions to you because if you fire a coaching question to a coach, especially a new coach, uh, not James or Bridget, because they're obviously zero. Um, but if you fire a co- coaching question to a new coach, they'll say the answer that everyone else says, like that the coaching world says. Mm. So I like throwing coaching questions to non-coaches, but lifters, to see what would be like the most logical answer. Oh. So if you want to get better at pull-ups, what do you think the answer is?
1: Well, I can't even do one, so I would do assisted pull-ups. Like with a band? Either with, if there's a band that could hold me or um those machines machine. that you put your knees on and pull up on.
2: Yeah, cool. Sounds good to me. What do you reckon? Yeah, a regress version is awesome. Yeah. That's a really good way to progress at something. That's really weird. Like... um like you just said before, when you ask someone and they come up with the most logical answer, usually the most logical answer is the right answer. It's almost always the right answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How are you right. going to get better at this? Boom, do it. that's it. Yeah. Do it and then do more of it. Mm.
0: Whoa. <laughs> 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 New coach, CJ Guo, hit him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, assisted pull-ups. Um, I, I don't think the machine is the best the best option just because it tends to allow you to move your body in a way that's unnatural to hang from a bar. Like you, you don't have to deal with the forces of your body swinging in different positions. You'll align your body um, wherever it feels most comfortable and that's often not where gravity puts you when you're hanging from the bar. So assisted in terms of with a band is great. If like yourself, you can't even do one, um, I would uh, look at doing reverse as well. Mm-hmm. Like so assist yourself on the way up so you'd like stand on a box and jump up and you'd be able to hold yourself up there and then do like a controlled negative. So try okay. and control yourself on the way down. That sort of eccentric loading is a really good way to make yourself strong at it very fast.
2: That's what I do with everyone that wants to do pull-ups. Yeah. So Marianne, her goal was to do pull-ups with me. We did sets of five, and we'd uh, we'd <clears throat> we'd progress them by changing the band every week. We'd do an extra rep, an extra negative. We hold the uh, the top end range for an extra second. Just small slow peri- uh, progressions like that.
0: It's so hard as well. Yeah. <laughs> like even if you can do pull-ups. Mm. like uh, negatives are really hard
2: yeah and in my experience uh, i'm just gonna talk anecdotally just because i've been doing lots of pull-ups lately like you said cj just more exposure more practice mm-hmm. i do them two to three times a week um i just progress them in terms of reps sets i'll add some load here and there and now i've gotten pretty good at them
0: we should have asked the Kelly boys last week yeah because they're all they're all <laughs> freaks at pull-ups <laughs> um i just want to layer on top of this like if you're a powerlifter, pull or if you're a powerlifter or interested in like hypertrophy bodybuilding, pull-ups are not a great exercise for those tasks for those goals. I think they're great exercises for people's heads. Mm-hmm. People still love the idea of like I can do a pull-up or I can do a set of ten or I can do a set of twenty or whatever. Fucking fantastic, go for it. Um, they are not going to detriment your performance when it comes to powerlifting or, or hypertrophy. But the issue with pull-ups is like building a big back or. Um, contributing to, say, position on powerlifting is that it's a really inconsistent movement. Like people's shoulders, people's positions will change rep to rep to rep to rep, whereas on the lat down, you can be super, super, super consistent. Um, so not dogging pull-ups as an exercise. I think they're a fucking fantastic exercise and an exercise that you can take with you to most places if you don't have access to things. Uh, but for higher level powerlifting, bodybuilding, Probably not your best option.
2: Yeah, for for me it was more so. I just wanted to get good at pull ups. Yeah, like why the not? exercise itself. I was finding enjoyment out of it. Like I was finding enjoyment out of dips. I've never been good at dips, and I was, you know, I was I was enjoying some more gymnastic type uh, gymnastics based movements. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you're right. Like if you're trying to get a bigger back, or you're trying to get, you know, um, there's uh, there's other more efficient ways, more efficient ways to, you know, use those muscles, mm. or you know, there's pull up, ve- there's pull downs rows there's lots of ways you can build a back yeah like you said a pull up isn't the best uh best uh back building exercise
0: one of my good friends that i went to school with in in new zealand his brother ended up getting right into powerlifting uh as, as we grew older and um i connected with him th- through the internet back in the forum days and found this guy and i'm like chris lord my, my friend's brother's name was chris lord i wonder if it's the same guy and it was uh, and he was always, and still is, cause he's been in powerlifting now for like similar length to me, you know, 10, uh, sorry, 15 years or something like that. Um, he was really good at reps on everything, just really good at pumping out reps. And I was watching him do these bench progressions and at the same time doing these pull-up progressions. And I'm like, I gotta do pull-ups. And this was right as I opened PTC. So all my PTC OG members will remember, uh, my programs, when it came to back work, it would just say like pull-ups, chin-ups, whatever, and then just a number, like 40, 50, 20, whatever, and you just had to do that amount in as little sets as possible. And That's so we sick. all got really good at pull-ups. Like we were doing sets of 20, we were just 30, whatever. We were weighting them. Uh, we got really good at them, and all of our bench presses sucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's my story.
2: Do you know what's funny? So Raven, when I was doing lots of pull-ups, Raven's like, I want to do pull-ups. I was like, okay, if you want them, They'll be in your program, but you know, there's gonna be no there's no purpose for them to be in your program. He's like, yeah, sweet. And after a block we got rid of them. He's like, yeah, they sucked. Yeah. (laughs)
0: You know, I love watching coops do pull-ups. Yeah. (laughs) Because he's so good at them, and that bar is like dangerous. (laughs) That much weight hanging off it.
2: He is really good at pull-ups. He is. Man. Yeah, I'd be good at them if
0: I didn't train legs.
2: do you reckon you could do what Coop does though how he deadlifts once a year and yeah, pulls quarterly yeah. 320 340 how, how tough is that though I call them out and then I'm pissing off out of the country for a few <laughs> weeks uh, um, we, we're going to wrap this up shortly this is a shorter episode like I said we are oh actually it's been going 45 minutes yeah we're um, killing it alright we don't even need guests yeah, yeah.
0: fuck them <laughs> Look, this is going to be a step process. Next week it's just going to be me and James, then the week after just me again. Back to, back to the OG days. All right, yeah or nah? I'm I'm combining them a little bit this
2: week. Yeah or nah and dis or that? First one, heels elevated for quad development. Yeah or nah? CJ.
1: Um, I'd say yeah. Only because when I do goblet squats elevated, they burn my
2: quads <laughs> like. No nice. Tomorrow. Logical Very answer. Logical. Yeah. Logical Very logical. Logical answer. good answer. <laughs> the more your
0: knees go forward, the harder your quads are working generally. So I'm going to say yeah. Nice. That way, but I'm going to back it up and say that <laughs> if you're wearing heels, it doesn't automatically mean that you're quad dominant. It doesn't mean that your other parts of your legs are not working. If you're not wearing heels, it doesn't mean that your quads aren't working. So as long as we don't buy into that nonsense mm. right? absolutely if you're trying to blast your quads elevate your heels put your feet close together let your knees fall forward as far as they can
2: yeah i always find that funny when people say that you know i'm a back dominant squatter i'm a you know and i'm like wait so your hips just shot up really fast yeah to me that just means you're a bad squatter <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a back how do you know squatter? you're a, like who told you that you're a quad dominant squatter who told like where did you where did you get this answer from yeah, I mean, or how did you get to this uh how did you get there
0: see I'm nerdier than that I just make people feel bad I am they say oh, I'm a I'm a hip dominant squatter I'm like okay so what percentage of your squat is your hips and how much quad are you using tell me tell me <laughs> tell me right now yeah that's what I thought <laughs> you have no idea what would you do <laughs> if they came to you I with an answer I'd be like show me show me how you got to that figure <laughs> I'd just keep going down the rabbit hole until I know yeah <laughs> Don't you worry about me I've won several debates Debates in university I think I I have a feeling I might have said that to you When I first started e- I, Everyone says
2: it Yeah because I was on Instagram a lot I'm like oh yeah Fuck yeah That means I'm quite dominant My
0: yeah. knees go forward heaps uh, I made it on a plane About the um, Like limb length thing mm. And it didn't go off Because it was too nerdy like yeah, my my ones that are like that I think, yeah, this is sick, and almost always too nerdy, and no one likes them. So I just try and <laughs> keep it really simple and just like make fun of something dumb. Um, but it was along the lines of, you know, there's no chart that says your legs are long or your torso is short. So people are like, my my arms are long. I'm like, who told you that? I, <laughs> your arms are long according to what mm-hmm. or according to who? And I, like, I don't disagree. There are certain people with different proportions. Absolutely. But if we, if this is the same as we were talking about before with a continuum, right? If there's better, there has to be best. If there's short, there has to be short relative to something else. So it's like, how short do your femurs have to be before they're considered short femurs? What's the length or what is the ratio? Anyway.
2: (laughs) All right, just with that beef or chicken? Uh, Beef. Beef. Why?
1: Oh, man, I love. Mince, steak, burgers.
0: Why would your first answer to that be mints?
1: That's what I was thinking. I was like, brother. I don't know. (laughs) I've been really craving mints lately. (laughs) That's why.
0: I I eat next to no chicken these days, mainly because the Australian beef industry is so good compared to the rest of the world, and the chicken industry still sucks. Like, how we treat our chickens is yuck.
2: Yeah, that is gross.
0: And I prefer kangaroo for that reason. But on all accounts... Beef is better.
2: 100. Mm. Yum beef as well. Yeah, RPE or RIR?
0: Ooh.
1: I've never done RIR. Um, I've only just heard about it when Meg started doing it. That was like, you know, a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been talking about it on the podcast <laughs> for about six months.
1: <laughs> I don't know what
0: it is. Meg says one thing. <laughs> oh, Wow. <laughs> I
1: just remember you made a call to her when she was training and she, you know, she trained super hard. Yeah, she does
2: train very hard. And you were like, (laughs) what did you say? You said, oh, are those reps in reserve for next week? (laughs) No, but she hit me back with a good answer. She said, no, that's
0: what a proper 2RR looks like. I was like, she's very right. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say RPE. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to say RP, if we're talking about powerlifting, uh, I think it's got slightly more versatility. I don't agree with the notion. A lot of people say, hey, is RP and RP RIR pretty much the same thing? Like, is 9 RP, 1 RIR? I don't think it is, especially as you get more advanced. Um, So I think RP's got a little bit more versatility across sports as well. Uh, So I'm going to go with RP, but I love RIR. I'm with that. Because RP was initially invented for
2: cycling, yeah, r- running it
0: was heart rate things a Borg scale. Yeah, so and it was a multiple of ten. So it was, um, I think twelve to twenty, like one twenty to two hundred beats per minute, and then they simplified it to one to ten.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It's got a lot more versatility. Um, I'm RPE as well. Ah, drop sets or slow tempos for sickening muscle pumps.
0: Drop sets. Yeah. 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 Same. Oh, actually, fuck. That's hard. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you do a drop set, but your technique's rubbish, you just kind of hurt and get puffed. Yeah. Whereas with tempo, you can't escape how oh, much it messes yeah. you up.
2: Tempo's yeah, just you're right. I think that's why I'm going to go drop sets. I prefer to do a drop set.
0: Yeah, yeah. but for sickening muscle parts. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking more like, because if, if we look at a squat, forget squats, but if we look at like a bicep curl, mm. if you do a drop set, you'll just start, yeah potentially there's more opportunity like mm. if you do tempo you kind of can't help but to squeeze everything yeah it's so hard though yeah i try to do tempo biceps on the there's a preacher curl machine at brisbane like a plate loaded one and it's so you're like this is pointless you're doing oh. a, you're doing a five kilo plate or a 10 kilo plate and you're like this this is so dumb then you get to rep eight and you're like i want to go home <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna go i changed my answer i'm going tempo would you rather have huge triceps
2: or huge biceps? Triceps, Ooh. oh biceps, yeah, I'm gonna go biceps as well. Mm. I
0: but think biceps look so funny when everything else is small, though.
2: I want everyone to go look up a dude called oh, Fuck. I might have fucked his name up. Jake Dalton, American gymnast. Look at his fucking biceps.
0: <laughs> is he like the equivalent of um, that cyclist dude with the giant quads? Jake Dalton? Yeah, I think so.
2: Oh, look, the first thing that comes up is Jake Dalton biceps. Oh, really? So as a US gymnast. Look at that. That's fucked up.
1: Oh, jeez.
2: So when I first started training, I was like, all right. Yeah,
0: but he's got massive triceps as well. Look at- He does have huge <laughs> biceps. Look at that. <laughs> that's Photoshop. Nah, it's-, <laughs> it's huge. That's huge. That's what I mean. What well, that's- that's look insane. at that. That's got- that photo's got to be Photoshop.
2: Nah, bro. He- he's legit fucking- jack to the gills melons
0: yeah it's it's definitely so like if you've got massive biceps in a tight shirt and everything else is kind of average you look huge
2: yeah it's one of the uh the three there's three muscles that like that's all you need calves traps biceps. done yeah. i was gonna say chest instead of traps oh, okay yeah the beach muscles yeah my roommate johnny when he gains weight the ghost to his calves, his chest, and his arms, so he just looks more jacked. I'm like, you fucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: dog. When I gain weight, it goes all to my ass, and then everything else looks smaller. <laughs> it sucks. Just, it's like ass, face, stomach in that order.
2: Yeah, I'm the same, but mine's there. With my my pecs. Well, at that stage, you call them tits. Tits. And then my yeah. fucking face. <laughs> um
1: for um biceps is it bad to have big biceps when you're a mixed grip um deadlifter
0: in no circumstance on earth ever is it bad to have big biceps cj okay good but what do you mean what do you mean you mean in terms of tearing them? yeah tearing them nah tearing a bicep comes from people who don't have external rotation okay so like everyone says oh no it's because they bent their arm Hold on to three hundred kilos and bend your (laughs) arm. I'll give you. I'll hand you the keys to zero, and you can have it because you know a lot more than I do. I (laughs) think it's not from bending arms; it's from having no external rotation. So, like, if you externally rotate, put your palm to the roof. Right now, take your thumb and try and twist it towards the floor as far as you can. Right, watch how hard your bicep gets. Like your bicep acts as a like tertiary. What's that way? Um, Supinator. (laughs) Supernator, (laughs) yeah your tertiary twisty outy muscle so your bicep works really hard to keep twisting your arms outwards and so like you look at the people who tear their bicep when they grab the bar they can only get their hand to here so they twist their body and then twist the other way and their biceps just like and turns on and then they pull and it goes
2: I think I've told you about this before CJ it's similar archetype and it's always normally in the heavier weight classes like they have to twist their whole body to grab the bar with one Mm -hmm. hand and then they grab it with the other Mm. like when when have you ever seen like a lightweight male tear their bicep during a deadlift or a, or a lightweight female or a female for, for that yeah. matter
0: the the bicep tear starter pack is like can't get your thumb to face the roof mm. <laughs> shoulder is like so far forward that it's almost touching the other shoulder like really internally rotated <laughs> and really rounded upper back it's like the bicep test starter pack damn because they normally get really good at deadlifts really quickly as well Cause they tend to be these lifters that have a rounded upper back, really solid lower back and a short range of motion. They mm. also tend to be the worst bench presses and have yuck squats. Cause they can't get their arms on the bar. All
2: right. Uh, go to prison to get jacked or a breakup. Which one are <laughs> Wait, you going to get more jacked?
0: Everyone, everyone <coughs> hears that who's torn their bicep just felt so attacked. I <laughs> guarantee. I just described them. Um, what, go to prison or get jacked. Yeah. What?
2: Best way to get jacked, break up with your partner or go to prison.
0: You're the only one who's been in prison. Go, oh, what? Look at his fucking tattoos. You don't walk around like that. <laughs> what would you rather? Oh, for me?
2: I'd rather go to prison and get jacked. You know, get to hang out with the homies. I don't know if they're
0: the homies. Yeah, I don't
2: see. I don't know. But <laughs> I just don't want to go through a breakup.
0: Yeah. You know? I, th- I think the people that make jokes about going to prison probably <laughs> probably don't realize how bad prison is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's what I mean. Like,
2: I'm,
1: I don't know what I'm getting myself into.
2: Yeah, but like you'll have the best training partners in there because they've all got the same goals as you. No, I'm just talking shit. <laughs> <jet, but> goals? <laughs> <laughs> they're on you know, the same programming. Yeah, they got
0: to make the most of their time in there. Get to hang out with the boys. Yeah. <laughs> the boys. I don't know if they're the kind of boys gonna yeah. hang out with. Get your meals <laughs> at regular timing intervals. <laughs> <laughs> regimented sleep routine. Yeah. Hey, that's actually a recipe for games. <laughs> Legit. Legit.
2: You can't yes. have cheat meals. You know, there's no distractions. No. You're focused. They guy Cali Muscle. Yep. Look at jacked he is. That's right. Uh, what one would you pick? I'm going to prison. Three months, three months.
0: If James is going to prison, I'm going with him.
2: Yeah. See, now I've got a training partner. <sighs>
0: Damn. <laughs> CJ, you come along. You'd be security. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how safe it would be. Uh, what's more impressive, weightlifting or powerlifting? Oh, man. My knee jerk is weightlifting. Mm-hmm. I think the average intermediate to advanced powerlifter is more impressive in terms of feet of strength. But like at the very elite level, there's just something so amazing about doing a clean and jerk with like 200 plus kilos. Mm. I'm with
2: you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. If you like, you know, not you can go to a local comp here and watch Theo Maddox pull 390 off the floor. Mm -hmm. You go to a local weightlifting comp, you might see someone clean 150. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um so yeah for me it's the load loads the determining factor
0: i think the other thing is that like side by side it's easier to be elite in powerlifting than than weightlifting Mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons but i think the main reason is like the length that it takes you to get that elite and in that time period you spend far more of a percentage rate failing than succeeding Mm -hmm. that's why i love like uh, working with people like Rido, who have come from a, a strong weightlifting background is cause he gets upset when he fails, but not like he is totally okay with missing a weight. Cause that's all they do in weightlifting mm-hmm. mm. fail. So often you get really good at being like, this is volatile. This could go either way. And like, you have to be pretty thick skinned to just weightlifting sessions. Sometimes they'll try the same weight 10 times before they get it. Mm. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go weightlifting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, same. I just, like, when you watch, like, the Chinese lifting
0: team. Yeah. It's and just they're insane. Fucking, they're so jacked as well. And, like,
1: how deep they get on their squats. And, yeah, I think it's just insane.
0: The other thing I love is that, like, the, the average weightlifter could come to powerlifting and be amazing. Very few powerlifters could <laughs> ever go to weightlifting <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. But do you know
2: what? You know, you ha- you have people in weightlifting that work for so long to get 100 kilo clean. Mm-hmm. Grab any powerlifter in here that's got a little bit of coordination; they could clean hundred.
0: You know some some of our um, some of the best powerlifters around are are ex weightlifters. Um, so in Australia, she's competed at she did uh, APL nationals and she's doing worlds. Her name's Leanne Leanne Knox mm-hmm. from up north in in Early Beach. She was a multiple, um, I think Commonwealth either champion or competitor medalist, whatever. Phenomenal weightlifter. And she's extremely strong as a master's lifter now, like squatting and deadlifting almost 200 kilos. Um, in the UK, there's a guy, Delroy McQueen. who's an ex... Um, uh, I'm not sure what medal he achieved in, in weightlifting, but he deadlifts like close to 400, and he's a later master's lifter as well, like monstrous. There's a, there's plenty of tales of people who have come across from weightlifting. Oh, not there heaps of CrossFitters as well, that were ex-weightlifters?
2: Yep, there's quite a few. Uh I can't actually think of anything but off the top did, of my head.
0: Did Tia Claire start in weightlifting or did she do weightlifting because she was identified as a great with weightlifter from CrossFit?
2: Yeah, so she she got into it from CrossFit.
0: Well, that that to me is, mm. that's like athletic insanity. Yeah. yeah. To be that good at CrossFit and just be able to go, you know what, I'm going to give this a crack and get to the absolute peak of like the hard, one of the hardest sports.
2: <laughs> well, didn't she just miss out on the bobsled team? Bobsled? Yeah. I didn't even, uh, yeah, no. I didn't so know she's that. just missed out on the, uh, for the last Olympics. Wild. Yeah, she's the fucking, she's Bobsled. the, sled. She's like one of the greatest athletes right now on earth. She's won, how many? Back- oh, so many. The last CrossFit game, she didn't lose an event. I could be wrong. I could be way off when I said that, but there's some comp where she didn't lose an event.
0: That's so she won incredible.
2: everything. And when you see her, she's fucking huge in real life. She is jacked out of her brain and she's so little.
0: Where have you seen her? Like uh, at a local CrossFit. Because she's in Brisbane, right? Yeah.
2: So yeah. I've just seen her on the Gold Coast somewhere. I was like, fuck that chick's jacked. As I got closer, that's tear clear to me. <laughs> yeah, wow. Jeez.
0: I, so, I would love to see someone like, oh, why am I having a mind black? This, the sprinter we had on. Liz um, Clay. Liz Clay. I'd love to see someone like her go hard at a strength sport. So, yeah. Because like to be to be a an explosive athlete, like a sprinter or a hurdler. Mm. Like you've got that, that, that fast twitch muscle foundation. Look at a lot of like, um, a lot of huge young kids, uh, in powerlifting have come from throwing backgrounds. Mm-hmm. I think that Joseph Panita, I think the, the, the teenager with the biggest squat, I'm pretty yep. sure he was a thrower or still is a thrower of some sort. Like throw is always a crazy explosive. There's a real famous old video of a, a thrower doing all those jumps. Yeah. That's sick. That? That's a cool video. And I could Google his name, but like... What kind of throwing? Like Like chocolate, discus. discus. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. they're always super, super, super explosive. Well, have you watched Valerie mm-hmm. Adams training? You know, she went to Mackay. <laughs> you know, she trained at a gym in Mackay while she was there. Really? We didn't post it. Did yeah. it? Like they, they asked specifically not to not to post, but um, a bunch of those women uh, mm. were with her and we posted a few of them on the on the Zero Instagram um the ones that gave us permission. Uh, and they were throwing 100 kilo benches around like nothing. Yep. Not powerlifters at all. Don't mm. compete. No. Don't even know what powerlifting is. Just shot putters, discus throwers. They're just on the bench, 100 kilos. Jeez. <laughs> she does sits
2: a five at 120. And she does like hand cleans with you know, 120 for reps. Insane. They're fucking what? monsters. Liz yeah. Clay cleans near 100 as well. And That's she's what? like a- She's
0: only little. She's like 63 kilos or something. Damn. Damn. Do you know who Valerie Adams is? No, no, no. She's the, she's the sweetheart of New Zealand. Mm. What? Well, I, i'm not sure how many she won but like high high level thrower uh i think put and discus stephen wow. adams
2: sister who's no the, in the, the nba really yeah wow there's a fan There are a family of like it's like could, 10 of them or something and all they're all huge
0: they're all like over six foot eight yeah they're all gigantic all huge. <laughs> yeah yeah ph- phenomenal she was like our kathy freeman pretty much oh wow yeah Say, hour like as soon as New Zealand's proud of something, I'm like, Yeah, yeah, I'm part of that. <laughs> Any other time, I'm like, I've i got no New Zealand blood in me, I was just born there, <laughs> um, unfortunately. <laughs>
2: All right, uh, who would win in a fight, Angus Bradley or Coach Cass? Coach Cass, they mm. had a bit of a beef on the internet a while ago, right?
0: <laughs> Angus is way stronger than he looks. Mm-hmm. He's definitely more agile. Yep. It's kind of like a jackal versus a, a yeah. like a, a weak bear. Mm. I'm I'm on Angus. Yeah. Kaz would try to be too functional. He'd overthink it. <laughs> His line of uh punch wouldn't be uh yeah. wouldn't be optimal. He'd overthink it. I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Angus on this one.
2: Yeah, I was gonna go with Angus as well. Like, yeah, he's he's very he actually is very strong, moves yeah. well, and I'm sure he'd write some crazy fight program for himself to get prepped for it.
0: Oh, wait, wait, so we're not just talking about like a random street fight, like no. a, a prepped fight. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm still going with Angus. Yeah, yeah I'm going with Angus as well. Yeah, because Angus would prioritize work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as in like doing the work. Um, That's pretty
2: much us for today. That's all I got. Awesome. Sick. Thanks all right. for listening. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Zero Weakness Podcast with Brandon. Oh, <laughs> fucking <laughs> hell, Brandon. <laughs> Brandon, next time. <laughs>
0: Thank uh, you. All right, catch us. Thank you so much for listening to the Zero podcast. If you want more information, head to our Instagram, Zero underscore weakness, hit the link in the bio for all of our services and any information on upcoming workshops and events. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review so we can have a broader reach and answer more people's questions. Thank you once more.